You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. All right, so we're going to continue our series on creating emotionally safe space. Uh-huh. Today, we're going to tackle this from the vantage point of teaching. Okay. How do we actually, as teachers, help create these cultures. Awesome. And so before we jump into that, here's a question for you today. Mm-hmm. If you, you're not, you, I mean, you're not a teacher in the like stand up in front of a big group of people every single week and teach the Bible sense, but sure. you, you teach people to do stuff all the time. Sure. Especially with my XP, like constantly helping people learn how to do things. Yeah. But let's say that you had to be a teacher. Okay. okay. Like college professor could be whatever, mm-hmm. whatever oh. you want. What what is a I wasn't thinking college could be it seems more important. <laughs> well, any so it could be even though anything. I didn't go. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's my well, you went. Well, you just quit. Yeah. We both went. Mm-hmm. We gave it a try. I had really expensive room and board for a year. That was yeah. really expensive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if you had to teach on a subject or a topic, uh huh, what would you want to be a teacher of? Yeah, I mean, I really think uh, even even with the information that I can broaden it to like college level, mm-hmm. I go back to the teacher I had was not great. And I won't, his name doesn't matter. He was our gym teacher. Mm. Why they had him in charge of consumer math, I don't know. However, I will say that that's the, like the only thing I use mm-hmm. is genuinely. I thought you were going to say gym teacher. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, no. They made our gym teacher teach consumer, consumer math. math. And that's so right. the level of education taken away, but the book was good. Mm-hmm. And it was like really helpful stuff just in regards to, um, you know, how to book a flight and time changes and how to balance your bank account. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there were just a lot of like, and so maybe my broader answer is I want, would want to teach a life skills course. Mm. I just feel like the average person, like I'll never forget. I grew up, we had a lot of kids in our house. Mm-hmm. My mom did not love doing laundry. And mm-hmm. so we were all responsible for our own laundry from the age of 10 on. Mm-hmm. If you wanted clean clothes to wear, you would have to like get you a spot in the like laundry doing and like all <laughs> of that. And that's just the way that it goes. And I'll never forget my first week at that expensive room and board place. Um, you know, I had some laundry and Mm -hmm. I had a hamper and I had my like soap and I was walking down to the laundry room and I Mm -hmm. kid you not, like I kept seeing doors open or like blinds go up and basically all the guys in this like kind of quad thing were waiting for anyone to go do laundry. Do you know how many times I taught freshman men how to do their laundry (laughs) that year? I mean, it was shocking. And the number, they were just like, wait, so you do what? I'm Mm -hmm. like, it just seems very easy to me. Like you put in the stuff and Mm -hmm. you hit start and I don't even like do much separation or anything. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to be like a diva about it. Mm -hmm. Just like have clean clothes. But I just think that there is a huge lack of understanding around some of those basic life skills at some very important levels Mm -hmm. in life. And really sounds like what you want to be as a parent. 
No. <laughs> just te- well, no, you yeah. don't want. I, I need. I want to be a parent, but I want to have a very large platform. So a million <laughs> kids. I want all the kids. So they all learn how to work hard. And none of them live with and you. And do their laundry. Clean up after themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. I I think my, mine is gonna be is gonna be related to what I currently do. If the money, like if the pay, yeah. didn't suck uh-huh. as far as like trying to like provide for a family. Yep. I think teaching like spiritual formation in middle school and high school would be awesome, like in a Christian school setting. Yeah. Um, having been in Christian school my whole life, um, and even having my kids in Christian school now, what is common in Christian schools is they have Bible class. We yeah. had Bible class. Mm-hmm. And so for 12 years, you're taught the story of scripture, which yeah. I think is really, really great. Um, I don't, I have not seen any work really done on the spiritual formation front, specifically on like teaching kids how to actually have a relationship with God. That's what I mean when I say spiritual formation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think to me, kind of piggybacking off what you're saying, that's such a critical life skill. <laughs> like yeah. you get that's out of high point. school, you've been in Christian school for 12 years and you don't know how to have a relationship with God. That's just, but you know, stories from scripture that feels like a huge fail to me. Yeah. So that, that's yeah, something I mean, I'd be very curious Instruction is like about. read your Bible and pray. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And I just think that, yeah, it's very interesting. I think, yeah, because I learned some pretty valuable things, but um, valuable things that at its core make me good at, on like if you're doing a night of Bible trivia, give me a call. Totally. I'll help you out. I should be your phone a friend, you know, yep. but that doesn't necessarily translate it. I mean, and even look at from a biblical standpoint, mm-hmm. even the Pharisees, like mm-hmm. they would have won Bible trivia yeah. and Jesus didn't know them. So right. it does, it's not a one-to-one. Right. And I think the, you're right. The assumption is it is a one-to-one. Right. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So anyways, I like that. Yeah. Good work. Thanks. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump back in. So, so, so far we've, uh, we've talked about how if we're going to create emotionally safe spaces mm-hmm. in our ministries, that uh, first and foremost, leaders, leaders got to go first. You yep, got to do your absolutely. own work. You have to lead the way on that, just mm-hmm. like everything else. Uh, secondly, we talked about last week how we have to see emotional health as the whole enchilada, mm-hmm. meaning that we're, a, we're emotional beings that to neglect the emotional aspect to people's lives is to miss the deepest part of, mm-hmm. of, of who and Absolutely. what we are. So the question we want to wrestle with today is how do we actually teach uh, from, I guess, two vantage points. One, how do we teach for emotional health and how do we also use the teaching platforms of our ministries to create emotionally safe spaces? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. And so I think just before we get into this a little bit, I think it's really important to say at the outset that we need to really avoid two extremes. Extreme number one being emotionalism, where mm. emotion is God. Like I, I grew up, I'm, so I will say this having been a part of a couple of these different camps. I grew up in Pentecostal churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was not, not necessarily in my local church, but I was definitely in environments that were attached to the Pentecostal movement yeah. where you very much had the sense of like, church or a worship experience was good if I felt emotional. Mm-hmm. Did I cry? Did I get goosebumps? Did I like, and so I think that elevate elevates emotion to the position of God and sure. that's a problem. Yeah. But I think the other extreme, which I have seen being a part of like in the more reformed uh, bent that I've seen um, and been a part of that, um, that there can be, this is not always true, but there can be a sort of an anti-emotion mm-hmm. where 
emotion is suspect sure. at best. If no not, one raises their hands. If not bad. No one, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And be very suspect of everything that you feel, like yeah. your heart is desperately sick, who can understand it, mm-hmm. and and it's just that that stuff all the time. I would say both of those are extremes we need to be very, very careful of. The reality is, as we've said, we are emotional beings. Yeah. It is an aspect of life. So it is a factor, but it's not to be worshipped. So sure. as we talk about this today, we're really going to try and do it from that sort of middle place that avoids those two extremes. Right. And I think, I mean, the reality is on occasion, we're going to cover topics where our individual skill set gives us a unique perspective into that specific topic. And Mm -hmm. so uh, more than... um, uh, more than anything today is really on teaching. Mm-hmm. And so that's definitely your thing more than it is mine, mm-hmm. especially kind of the type of teaching we're talking about is from definitely the like, yeah, from yeah. the pulpit. Yeah. Preaching or, teaching. You don't yeah. you have a, like a table. I don't know what that is. Yeah. With it's, a notch. It's pulpit-ish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but regardless, like, uh, so this is going to be much heavier on kind of your perspective on some of those things. I'll mm-hmm. weigh in a bit, but uh, the one question I do have is, so uh, how has your own emotional journey impacted the way that you teach and the way that uh, you even think about this topic? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious what you think, to be honest. Oh. So when you hmm. when you think about, um, I mean, no one's been listening to me teach longer than you have. That's true. <clears throat> what I'd be curious, and maybe I need to talk for a minute so you can think about it. But like, mm-hmm. can you what what difference do you notice? Yeah, I mean, I think in general the the like there's a lack of intensity or a lack of like uh, like it's just more polished and it's a it's much more. Um, it's a much more like kind of welcoming type thing. And I think some mm-hmm. of it's even like uh, in the past year, you've like sat down mm-hmm. some, not yeah. exclusively, Teaching, but some. More, yeah. Yeah. And, and your tone and everything is more, I think a little bit more, if I had to like come up with like a dichotomy and I don't think that, that's always fair. But mm-hmm. I think on one end, uh, when you're teaching anything, if you're mm-hmm. teaching someone how to ride their bike, if you're whatever, but even as a preacher, I think that there are kind of two totally separate approaches. Mm-hmm. And prior to your own emotional health journey, it was kind of this idea that like, I'm standing where you should be, get where I am. Mm. Um, and I think that that's how some people teach. Like mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong, you're, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it was far more, and, and it certainly wasn't that aggressive, but it definitely was very you mean, yeah. like, like speak the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and I think you did that faithfully and all of that, but it just had a bit more like get your stuff together mm-hmm. and get right with God. Mm-hmm. And I think over the past few years in particular, it's far more uh, this idea of like going, like leaving where you're at, going to where someone else is at and mm-hmm. walking beside them mm-hmm. along through that. And so I think even as a teacher in front of a large group, you can do that with tone. You can do that with, um, there's just a level of understanding and like, um, softness mm-hmm. I think and you haven't like you haven't changed your understanding of the gospel you mm-hmm. haven't you know watered down anything that the bible says it mm-hmm. just like sounds a little different mm-hmm. that's interesting I was having a, a conversation yesterday with a pastor friend mm-hmm. and he was uh we were talking about a specific network leader that he has some relationship with and he was describing that network leader as like way up the mountain telling everyone else in the network to come up here 
Like, yeah. yeah. This is the ideal. And that not that's not even always, I think it is a good way for you to position it as like, it's an approach. Yeah. It's, it's not saying I'm up here and therefore I'm better than you and have everything figured out, sure. but I am further along in this, whatever the journey might be. I'm, I'm, and here, like, and so come to me. And he was saying it has, it's, it's can be very frustrating for people rather than like, if you think about what Jesus did, which is to like come down alongside people and walk them through. We're called to make disciples, not just tell people you should be a disciple and this is what that is. Totally. And so, yeah, that's interesting. I don't think I would have said that in answer to your question, but I do agree with that. And I, I think some of it has to do with, uh, I think that I had a lot of unprocessed grief mm. and, um, and when your grief is unprocessed, it mm-hmm. oftentimes comes out as anger yeah. and, and irritation and frustration. Yeah. And so I think that one of the reasons why I think that even in my tone, I might have had more of an edge at one point yeah. was that... That's a good way to say it, an edge. Yeah, yeah it just leaked like a lot. I think yeah. it leaked in my leadership. I think it leaked in my teaching. I think it leaked just in general. And, and so I think that part of what I would equate the softening to, and hopefully I, I do care about being gentle, like mm-hmm. I want to be more gentle. Sure. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. I think as I've gotten in touch with my own pain, mm-hmm. um, it's just made me way more sensitive to other people's. Yeah, that's good. And so I very much, I, I have a real, I was just having lunch with a friend and I was talking about, and this this will piss some people off, and that's okay. But uh, I remember seeing Joel Olstein one time on 60 Minutes, mm-hmm. and admittedly, I'm not a big Joel Olstein fan. Sure. Um, I for a number of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember him being asked by the interviewer, like, "How come you never talk about sin in mm-hmm. your preaching?" And I remember him saying, like. You know what? My my conviction is people come in knowing it was something to the effect of like people come in knowing they're sinners. Mm-hmm. People come in knowing they're broken. They don't need me to like double down on that for yeah. them. And I remember hearing that at the time and being like, this guy's a coward. He doesn't like he just is ashamed to talk about. And now I look at it and I'm st- still again before anybody gets mad, I'm still not a huge like huge Joel Osteen fan sure. uh, by any means, but I will say there's a, there, there is a thread in what he's saying that I do understand. Sure. And I, I am very aware of how much people carry into the room every time they come on Sunday. Yeah. And it is a so lot. Good. And I don't think, I do think we need to talk about sin. Yeah. And I do. And I do think we need to talk about things in our lives that are not working and things that keep us from thriving and abiding in Jesus and all of that for sure. But if people leave feeling heavier, yeah. people leave feeling beat down, sure. people leave feeling discouraged, I've failed. Yeah. I really feel like that is a massive failure on my part, that people should leave feeling lifted up, feeling like they're not alone, feeling like somebody else understands and is trying to help carry my burden. Sure. And the reality that like God loves them and is there through the sin No matter well. what. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I think uh, I definitely just kind of agree with that mentality that... Um, and even from a biblical standpoint, like we will not be non-sinners. I don't know mm-hmm. what to say. We will not be perfect. We will not yeah. be holy this yeah. side of eternity. Right. And so if every week all you are is made to feel bad about the thing that you're guaranteed to be until you die, right. that's really not much hope. No. Because 
even in our striving for like to sin less, I guess, um, <laughs> yeah. like we are promised to not achieve it. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little complicated. There. It is. Yeah. And, and certainly we can get closer, but then, you know, if you uh, keep the whole law, but stumble at one point, you're guilty of breaking the whole mm-hmm. thing. So then you're just like, well, at, at some point, it doesn't mean that we water down sin. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we don't talk about it, but mm-hmm. absolutely this idea that you need to, you know, uh, we've had a lot of conversations about this and there's probably a whole series in here somewhere, mm-hmm. but this idea that like people come in um, and to not make the sin that you know about them mm-hmm. the like only thing mm-hmm. you want to talk about, I just think it's so important because mm-hmm. I think that you find people are way more willing to like continue coming mm-hmm. and way more likely to be impacted by mm-hmm. the teaching, impacted by the relationships, and then through that and the power of the Holy Spirit actually change than if they come in feeling like um, I'm... I suck. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to measure up. I'm mm-hmm. never going to be good enough to be here. Why should I even show up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and again, like, not even saying that that's not true, <laughs> but like, is that the pinata that we're going right. to hit every sure. single week? Like what? I mean, good Lord. I just feel like how, how does that, that bell exclusively being run over and over, help people learn to abide in Jesus? Yeah. It just doesn't. It just, I think just beats the hell out of them. Sure. So then what would you think are some, or what would you say are some practical steps that other teachers can take in order to create a culture that is emotionally safe? That's a good question. Um, Thank you. Uh, yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I mean, I think first and foremost, I was going to end with this, but I think I want to start with this. I think the most important thing again, to kind of come back to where I think we talked about in the second uh, conversation on this topic is you, you have to do your own work. Yeah. So before, you know, but before we even talk about from a preaching teaching standpoint, I think that, and again, I, going back to what I said a few minutes ago, I think this is what happened with me. I really do think if you are unaware of your own inner world, then I think that there is a fair amount of I don't know what it is, maybe confusion, frustration, like, and all of that stuff. Like you're less, because you don't understand yourself, you also don't understand others. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a very then simplistic way in which we go, well, X, Y, and Z are sin. Therefore, don't do X, Y, and Z any longer. You're mm. like, mm, okay, well, if it was as easy as flipping a switch, wouldn't we all do it? Right. Maybe there, maybe there is something more complex at play. Sure. And oftentimes, it, what it, what's complex is an emotional aspect to this. Totally. That if you're unaware of it in your own life, you're not going to be able to teach on it because you're not really, you have no, no idea that this is actually a thing. Yeah. No, yeah. And I think, um, so you're not going to be able to teach on it. And you also are leading from a really um, kind of damaged place. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, I had a conversation with a friend the other day who is in a church leadership position. Mm -hmm. um, And something that is like sinful came Mm -hmm. out about the pastor. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason I got the call was they were just wondering like what to do. They were thinking pretty extremely about... Uh, the response and what mm-hmm. needed to be done as a result. And as we dived into it, the real thing that came out was that um, based on some like emotional mm-hmm. childhood baggage this mm-hmm. person has, like they don't believe that they can mess up. 
and they live a life very hard in kind of pursuit of this perfection. And if I just check all the boxes and I don't Mm -hmm. leave my 10 and 2, I'll be fine. And so because there isn't grace for themselves as a result of the Mm, fact that their parents didn't have grace for them – I mean, in that conversation, they even Mm. mentioned, like, I just, I really struggled to extend it to other people. Mm. And here's the problem, like, and if that gets played out and is unaddressed, like, there could be decisions made that impact this church and this pastor and his whole life forever, Mm -hmm. all because of unaddressed emotional Mm -hmm. issues that that you just didn't do the work to uh, deal with it yourself. That's really good. Yeah, so, I mean, I think genuinely, if I was going to give one, one thing, it's that, yeah. because I really do think that whatever happens in you is going to inevitably come out. So mm-hmm. if you are unhealthy internally, make no mistake, that's going to bleed. Sure. And if you are um, on the path toward wholeness and healing in your own life, emotionally, that is going to naturally come through. I don't think that you need to like read a book or take a class on sure. how to be a good teacher about emotions. I think you need to be an emotionally healthy individual mm-hmm. and that will change everything. But a couple other things I would say that um, have been maybe different points of emphasis for me than okay. what they once were. One would be just teaching about what the Bible says about emotion, mm-hmm. you know, and actually trying to um, draw attention to that. I think, I think in these last three things, I would say most of them are all about drawing attention to things that are present in scripture and are Mm -hmm. often overlooked. Sure. So I would say the first one is to teach just what the Bible says about emotion. You know, what does the Bible say about sadness? What does it Mm -hmm. say about anger? What does it say about joy and happiness? Um, A lot of people, like as I've taught on these things more and more, the number of people I've had come to me and say, I've never heard anyone talk about, I've been in church my whole life. I've never heard anyone talk about this before. That's, sad. Yeah. And I, I, I would agree, Sure, <laughs> but it just seems like our whole life yeah. is lived in the context of emotion. Yeah. How in the world are we not talking about that all the time? Sure. And even if you're void of them, there's a reason for that. Right. That needs to be talked about. Right. Yeah. You're not just the one person God right. wired up like a robot. Like sure. there's something fragmented in your soul. Yeah. And the goal is to move toward integration in all of these things. So that's mm, a big thing. Teach what the Bible says about emotion. I would say, uh, secondly, um, and I think this is, can be very powerful is point out the multitude of, mm. of emotions expressed in scripture. Yeah. Um, and I think the Psalms are incredible for this. Yeah. I, I would defy you to read the Psalms and to try to find one human emotion that is not expressed in the Psalms. Sure. They're all there. Totally. And at least in my experience, I've been in that book for my quiet times for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm doing it through the message yeah. and like, I'm here to tell you whiny is yeah. real. Like sometimes you're just like, man, I'm like up because I do it before I go to F45 at mm-hmm. 5 a.m. And you're like, dude, this guy is whining again. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You just, I mean, it, it, and for some reason reading it in, you know, language that's more like mm-hmm. uh, that I'm more comfortable with, that's more modern day or whatever. You're mm-hmm. just like, you know. Otherwise, I, for some reason, I just grew up and I memorized m- many of them. And, and it seemed like it was all these, like, you know, 
clear adorations mm-hmm. and just like you know like uh, mm-hmm. extolling of all who God is and what it is and I I just am like I don't know I'm ready for one mm-hmm. yeah because <laughs> there are a lot right that are just how long how yeah. long how long that's a great example like so this morning in my own reading I was in Psalm 68 mm-hmm. and uh, I I want to say it's verse 19 in Psalm 68. David says, day by day, he carries my burdens. And I think what's interesting about that is that in, in that very much, um, in my mind, like founds why David felt comfortable whining to God. Yeah. Because he had this deep founded belief that God didn't get impatient with his burdens. Sure. Didn't diminish them. You know, that God was not there. Like while you and I might read and be like, whew, you could take a break from the whining for a few minutes. God doesn't. Right. God invites and says, bring that burden to me every day. No matter how big, no matter how small, I want it. No, it's good. And and helping people understand this has been huge for me in the last three years. That is prayer. Yeah. Like it is not just praying acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Yeah. That is a great method for prayer if that resonates with you. But also you whining to God sure. is prayer. And he wants that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even like <clears throat> getting that, you know, for those who might be critical of something like the message version of the Bible, mm-hmm. I think that uh, Shame getting, on you. yeah, but getting that perspective has really informed uh, what for me has been a pretty dry season mm-hmm. as it pertains to that kind of praying and talking with God to feel like, all right, well, I am invited because of the example set forth in scripture to like do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and I think currently my communication with God is more, <laughs> yeah. probably more aligns with what I find to be pretty distasteful about read, but just mm-hmm. like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Right. Let's, you know. But even if you if you read Eugene Peterson, if you have ever heard him talk about why where the message came from, yeah. he was teaching just in his church, and he was uh, in the Northeast. He was teaching a Bible study on Galatians in his mm. church, like pre-service kind of old school adult Bible study thing. Sure. He is a was a language expert, which a lot of people don't realize about him. Yeah, that was his area of uh, study in school, and so he was trying to teach through Galatians the way that and and he could just see on these like mainly normal blue collar just everyday suburbanites that made up his church, they were just like glassy eyed. Sure, the normal like I think the the familiarity yeah. with their translation was just like this again. Mm-hmm. And so he did an experiment and he took the original Greek mm. and he translated it into the way they talked. Yeah. And then the next week he taught from that translation that he had done. And it was like, it was a completely different level of engagement because it gave them fresh language. Yeah. So something like the message, it's not perfect. And spoiler alert, neither is any other translation. Sure. None of them are. But but giving people that language, I, I do th- agree with you. That's one of the great strengths of the message is that he does help bring out the nuance of emotion that is present. He's not making it up. Yeah. It's in the Bible. Yep. And he, with language, is helping draw attention to it. Sure. And it just helps it feel way more... Um, connected to like what I'm experiencing today. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think always drawing attention to the emotional expressions of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus cried. Jesus got angry. Jesus um, was happy. Jesus was funny 
at times. Like all of these different emotions are present in Jesus as well. And so drawing people's attention so that they see that, I think helps avoid especially that kind of second extreme we talked about, which is, you know, anti-emotion, emotion's bad. Well, Mm. Jesus had some issues then Mm because he experienced the full range of emotion. He just experienced them without sin. So draw attention to that. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last thing that I would say Mm. is just to talk openly and frequently about emotion. Sure. Um, Because I think in just talking about it in a way that doesn't demonize it, uh, in it, it communicate even if you're not saying overtly, "Hey, it's okay sure. to to feel emotion." Even if you're not saying that, but if you're just talking about it in a very normal, everyday way, all of the time, it communicates to people like, "Oh, I guess it is safe to be able to feel these things, to yeah. be honest about them, and to express them." For sure, and I think that is so 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 important. Right, and make sure that you like don't respond weirdly when Mm -hmm. people demonstrate emotion. I think, you know, if you see somebody like weeping Mm -hmm. to check in, are you okay? Um, And if somebody says yes, then either they're not ready to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it with you or what, but it doesn't mean that you need to, you know, like call the doctor because someone's crying. It doesn't mean you need to look at them and tell them not to, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, weep as those without joy. Like, I don't know. Sometimes it's just like, Sometimes you just got to feel the feels, you Mm -hmm. know, like, uh, like I'm similar to that. We've got another lady in our church that just like, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. I Mm -hmm. mean, it does. And like, Mm -hmm. and God's stirring in some way, but it might be in a way that doesn't impact you the same way. Mm -hmm. And that's fine and safe and, and comfortable. And I think not making, you know, a huge issue out of it. Like, you know, we need to like assemble the people and talk about the emotion experience Mm -hmm. today. I think it's really important. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I think, I think putting yourself, you know, like, so coming to the example that you use, like, so let, let's say that someone, um, does express emotion, does, uh, communicate something that they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think what helps not respond awkwardly and weirdly, but in an appropriate way that welcomes those wounds. Yep. Um, I think one thing that really helps with that is is really trying to like imagine what they're going through. Yeah, be empathetic and imagine sure. what they're going through. As an example, my whole family knows now, so I can say this: my mom was just diagnosed with breast cancer, mm. and um, it's obviously super scary and hard. And I was texting with her, um, and she's told me a couple of times now, um, I feel picked on by God, mm. and. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know what it is. My Siri just decided to join the podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah, but that's that's been kind of what she's like. I just kind of feel picked on by God. Mm. And uh, I know enough about my mom's life, especially the last, you know, 10, 15 years with some physical challenges that she's had. And I just go, yeah, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. And is she being picked on by God? No. Right. I also don't need to tell her that. Sure. Like... Because that just feels like, and I, and I, well, Julie, God works all things together (laughs) for good for those who, you know, and I I just like, and I, I really think as I try to think about now, now putting myself in the other, like the position of like a pastor, let's say that would respond in the pastory Mm -hmm. way with a Bible verse. Yeah. Why do we do that? And I think, I think maybe some pastors really are well-intentioned and don't understand how to connect with people emotionally. So it might be that. I think fear drives a lot of pastors. Hmm. 
I think that there is this fear that, oh, if they believe that, they're not going to be okay. They're not. And I just go, okay, well, read the Psalms because God picking on you is about as gentle way as you could possibly say it comparative to the way that David talks about the way that he feels half of the time. Totally. Like, um, so I think just responding in a way that, that, that is under like really trying and understanding is one of the core longings that we all live with to Mm -hmm. be understood and to understand one another. So really seek to understand what are people carrying? What are they feeling? Why are they feeling it? And then just be there with them in the midst of it. We don't have to correct everything. Mm -hmm. Like God didn't correct. I mean, God let Job go on for God knows how long before he finally spoke up at the end and was like, "Mm, now it's my turn. Yeah. So I think like we don't have to step in and correct all that. We can be present with people because the truth is my mom knows God's not picking on her. Sure. Like, but she's gotten this life altering diagnosis and it's freaking overwhelming and hard. So for you to take a minute to feel like you're being picked on by God, I think God's okay with that too. Sure. And he is there in the midst of that. And so we should be there in the midst of that as well. It's good. All right. I feel like that was a good one. Yeah. I'm good with that. I'd like to end all of our podcasts by grading us. How do we do? That was, that was a crapper. That was Mm -hmm. good. I feel good about that. That was all right. All right. That was all right. Anyways, thank you so much for listening again. We'll be back next week with a new episode, uh, continuing this series of conversations on creating emotionally safe space. Hope this was helpful to you. We would love to connect with you on social media. So as always, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Forgot where I was for a sec. (laughs)